Hello there. Welcome to this episode of Four Scos Conversations. This is your host, Anthony King, and this week I'm going to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the Star Wars Special Editions. Before we get started, I'm inviting you to join the conversation with us. We can be found on Twitter at Force Ghost Pod. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok just by searching Force Ghost Conversations. We look forward to connecting with you on those platforms then. Also, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your listening site of choice. And without further ado, it's time to gather around the campfire for some Force Ghost Conversations. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Force Ghost Conversations. Before we get started, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody for coming along that wonderful ride that was the book of Boba Fett. We did so many wonderful breakdowns. We had guests on the show uh, discussing the entire season. It was just completely wizard overall, and I'm very thrilled with uh, all the outpouring of love and support that we got over the course of the, the season and uh, I'm very excited to uh, to look back on that as well uh, and move forward with some other things. So we're going to start this week with uh, look tackling a, uh, a special edition celebration, kind of. So we'll get to that on the other side of the news portion here of Force Ghost Conversations. But with that, it's time to dive in to some cloud city gossip and boy was there a lot of star wars news this week ladies and gentlemen first i don't know if you've been on the internet or not but i think you might have seen some pictures some rumblings of about the galactic star cruiser well it it sets off next week at walt disney world the star wars hotel aka the galactic star cruiser with its first guest passengers and members of the press were invited for a special sneak preview of the hotel and experience this past week more details, of course, can be found on StarWars.com. However, I would also recommend checking out the coverage by friend of the show, Dan Zare, who was a part of the press preview event. So go listen to Coffee with Kenobi's 500th episode. Congrats to them on that, first off. Uh, to hear his own thoughts on his experience with the Galactic Star Cruiser and also from the perspective of his family as well. So really great stuff. Go check that out. Next, of course, Marvel announced an eight-issue comic book adaptation of the first season of The Mandalorian, with each issue corresponding with the the episode uh, that 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 you know it aired. Right, episode one with issue one, issue two, episode two, so on and so forth. The series will be written by Rodney Barnes and illustrated by Georges Gianti. Be sure to pick up the series from your local comic book shop when it hits shelves this june additionally we got a new cover for the upcoming young adult novel star wars padawan this book is written by kirsten white and features a young obi-wan during his young padawan days being trained by master qui-gon jinn the cover features a determined young kenobi ready to protect with his lightsaber check out the cover as well as an exclusive interview with the author on starwars.com and then finally, 2022 marks the 20th anniversary of the release of Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. And if you love this movie just like me, this is a really great time to celebrate. 
Uh, and then Lucasfilm is also doing their own celebration in a way with a series of four original works of short fiction featuring some of the film's most memorable heroes and villains. Uh, and this will come out within the next few issues of the Star Wars Insider magazine. Authors S.T. Benda, Richard Dinnick, George Mann, and Rodney Barnes will pen stories for characters Zam Wessel, General Grievous, Dexter Jetster, and Mace Windu, respectively. The next issue of Star Wars Insider will hit newsstands on March 15th, featuring the first of these stories. And now, that is all that I have for Cloud City Gossip this week. So we'll be back on the other side of this break with our main topic for the day, celebrating the 25th anniversary of the Star Wars Special Editions. Okay, everyone, welcome back to Force Ghost Conversations. And this is our main topic for today, celebrating the 25th anniversary of the Star Wars Special Editions. And it's crazy to think that we've had the Special Editions now longer than we had to that point, the original release of Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. I guess just then that would be Star Wars to, to those at home, if you saw it in the theater in 1977, of course. So it's just a, this is a, a very interesting time for Star Wars. I mean, of course, the Special Editions was the the re-release of the original trilogy in theaters for the 20th anniversary in 1997. Uh, and these took place over January, February, and March of of 97. And it was meant to get Star Wars back in the zeitgeist, back in the into the lexicon, back into the thinking, because it was, it was a dark time for people. I mean, come on, like... If you were a fan and Return of the Jedi comes out in 83, there's nothing but some books, comics, some Ewok movies and and the droids TV series and the Ewok cartoon. There is not a whole lot, not a whole lot, a couple of video games here and there, some books. But, you know, in terms of like things that really get the attention of people, there's nothing much until the special editions and and the. Uh, and eventually the release of The Phantom Menace in 1999. So this is a way to get people back into it for, I mean, there's a whole generation at that point that had not seen Star Wars the way it was meant to be seen, which I firmly believe that Star Wars is meant to be seen on the biggest screen possible. That's what it was made for. It was made for that theatrical experience that is meant to make us feel like we're a part of the rebellion in its own right, be a part of this mythical morality adventure that Luke Skywalker and his friends are on and put ourselves in that situation. And frankly, the bigger the screen, the better it is to, to experience that in its own right. And you either watch it on TV, your bootleg VHS copy that you uh, taped from when it was on ABC or something like that on a Sunday night or whatever the, the movie of the week time slot was with the commercial breaks on it i know there are a lot of star wars fans that know when the commercial breaks are in the uh in the original trilogy when they watched it on tv so they could fast forward through it or i mean you bought your own vhs copy i mean there were of course the 85 the 92 i believe and the 95 releases of the original trilogy up to that point on vhs and laserdisc too if you're really into that kind of technology but it's just, it, I don't know if there's really been a wide release of this 
kind before this point. I mean, of course, like, yeah, they really released films in, in theaters all the time back then. But like to have this kind of hype and uh, nostalgia for something so long ago, plus all the new stuff that we're going to talk about, too. That's a that's a very impactful thing here. So I think it was a really unique time for Star Wars in its own right. I think there's been a lot of times since the special editions came out that, of course, they were knocked at the time for a lot of things. Of course, this is the George's main tinkering or tampering, depending on your point of view, so to speak, with the product that is uh, the Star Wars original trilogy. And this is something that George would do consistently again with the 2004 DVD release, the 2011 Blu-ray release, the 4K release even has that little McClunky nod in there. So I'm going to talk about a little bit of the uh, those changes, of course. And I, I actually really love these changes. I've come to really accept them and love them, frankly. I The, the special editions are my Star Wars. I would actually honestly say more specifically that the 2004 DVD release is my Star Wars, and we might have to do a specific um, uh, episode, so to speak, on those uh, that box set in its own right. I think there's a lot to discuss there. There's a lot of great behind-the-scenes features and things like that, and I've really that is really my Star Wars in a sense. So we won't be talking about Hayden Christensen popping up at the end of the Return of the Jedi here, uh, uh, at least in this episode for this point in time. But again, this is Star Wars back on the big screen with newly enhanced digital effects for the for the era, for the era, right? Jurassic Park came out 93. We T2 came out 91. There's been lots of leaps and bounds forward in terms of digital effects, sound, what can be done in terms of uh, computer generated cinema. And George is he will tell you to his dying day and even beyond that he was not super thrilled with the product that was the Star Wars. He was constrained by the technology and budget and studio mandates of the time, right? So, you know, he, he had to do what he had to do at the time. And I respect the fact that he goes back and he adds these things to make it more his vision for what the final product of the movie should be. And I, I frankly respect that. It's it's hit. at the end of the day, he's the creator. He is the, the person behind the scenes making this happen. It's his bottom line that he's paying for it mostly. Uh, so Luke's film is fronting the bill for this. And frankly, that's these, this is a really fascinating time. Again, I, I, I'm very intrigued by the psychology of it, all the psychosis. Um, and, and if you're a fan of the, you know, the unaltered editions, whatever, you know, if, if you're that type of person that says this is what ruined Star Wars for me, then you still have those VHSs. You have the, the, it's not like you can't go out and purchase unaltered versions at all. Like you go get the 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 DVD releases in 2005 or six or something like that that had the laser disc scan on a separate disc of the uh of uh, what was released in 95. So, you know, go get those. I'm not going to encourage you all to download or seek out the, the I believe it's the Harmies or the Har- Harbies, something like that, despecialized editions. Of the, there's, I know there's a Project 4K 77 or something like that for Blu-ray and 4K editions uh, and transfers of those original 
of those original movies because uh, te- technically those are legal. Uh, so definitely seek out legal means to do so. Um, but there are ways around there to to go get the technical quote unquote the original Star Wars if that's that's your thing. But to me, this is this is my Star Wars. This is my real big introduction to it. I was in the theater at the age of two seeing these films in, in the in the cinema, but I honestly have no recollection of it whatsoever. So <laughs> don't ask me what I remember of it. I again. I just have faint glimpses and memories of it all, but there's really nothing at the the heart of it all that has that, that's lingered with me. My uncle took me because it was kind of the thing you did. And he loves Star Wars, and eh, you know, not uh, not necessarily for me. Uh, you know, I, in terms of memories, right? I I don't remember a thing, and then it's basically once the Phantom Menace came around, that's where the memories start to formally, so to speak. But again, this is Star Wars back on the big screen and i love this like that little trailer tease that they did in order to get people hyped up for where they have the little tv box and they're like and for many a generation this is how star wars was seen on the small screen right and then the x-wings pop out and the, the, the sound gets louder and the explosions and you start to see all these wonderful images again that uh, are reminiscent of the original trilogy han leia luke vader c-3po obi-wan um with the impressive thx sound bristling through the sound speakers uh i i love that trailer frankly i've really that's that's a really great piece of marketing there at least for me which i think is their core audience that they're targeting here so i would really recommend go checking out that that uh that that trailer you just look up the special edition trailer on uh on a on youtube or something i guess for star wars and it'll pop up again of course and uh it's just it's i just wish i could have been a part like more member i wish i could have just had more of like a memory of this of this era uh because of course uh just, the action figures came back and people were getting more blockbusting and then frankly i think it's also important to note that these films came out for the re-release in january february and then march again and <clears throat> excuse me this was a time where people didn't really go out to theaters in the winter months that was almost unheard of back then it was the summer blockbuster season and that was the only time you went to go see movies uh so the fact that they were so successful at the time it's just fascinating to me that that this was uh that this was such a big success uh and it just goes to show that star wars has always been in fashion even though it was never technically like uh at the front of things right uh there were no movies aside from 83, Return of the Jedi, and then the Ewok stuff and books. But then we got to 97, and it's back with a bang, baby. January 20, January 31st, A New Hope opened. February 21st, then Empire came back into theaters, Empire Strikes Back. And then they even pushed back Return of the Jedi for a week. It was originally supposed to come out on March 7th, and then they pushed it back to March 14th because... They were so successful. If I can reiterate again that wonderful trailer, they had a note in there that at the end, it's like it's really rung in my head for a while there. If you listen to the Four Center podcast feed, Ken Navsock talks a lot about uh, that that line at the end. It also rings true for me again. See it again for the first time. I, I love that. I love that. I love the dictation in the... Uh, the 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 trailer narrator's voice uh, again and it frankly was that it was true 
you're seeing Star Wars in a way that you hadn't seen it for almost 15, 15 years at that point, right? Uh, it'll be 97, uh, four, 14, 14 years, yeah. And for many, that was that was how they did it. And if you didn't get to see it when it was in the run, and then you became a fan over that time period, you got to go see it again. Plus all the new stuff. The new stuff, the changes, the additions, the 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 slight uh, edits, the things that were cut, right? Like it's it's a whole new product and experience that doesn't really change what Star Wars is. I think at the core, all the things that are the themes and the the ideas of it all are still there, hundred percent. You know, it's that's not like a completely different movie. It's just that experience, the experience of Star Wars, is what we're talking about here. At the end of the day, uh, with the release of this uh, new updated version it made 472 million globally that is not a small chunk of change for a film that was 14 years old at that point uh at least when you get to if you're talking from return of the jedi 2 to the release of the special editions with inflation today in 2022 that is over over 826 million dollars million 826 million that's impressive really impressive stuff there that's again if you're a film were to make especially you know in the last year and a half with covid if a film were to make 826 million over exceeded expectations at this point if a film makes 200 million it's considered a success at this point globally uh based off of the the current model so this is nothing to sit on. Uh, it, this is Star Wars is back with a bang. It got people excited for the release of the Phantom Menace. That was just two years away. So that, I think that was a really great marketing scheme on Lucasfilm's point. It got people to purchase the 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 new VHSs, the 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 laser discs, the DVDs, what have you. Like when eventually this came out, like it got people buying the physical media again. I believe there was the CD updates that came out, you know, with the new John Williams scores or the expanded, I guess, the scores with with the 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 different sounds that were not available in the original vinyl and and the cassette tape releases back in the day. So this is all in all a big success for Lucasfilm overall. And I would also want to uh, mention that with the addition of the digital effects, right, this is to again get audiences ready for the phantom menace too and to have more connective tissue between those in terms of what you would expect because honestly they are going to be very cg heavy and inspired because george lucas will literally usher in the age of the digital cinema and this is what he was able to accomplish in order to to get that done so if you saw all the practical effects and things like that of the original trilogy you might be a little jarring and i get exactly what they did here and i know that cg of course always looks it's dated to a time and place and if, as long as you have that in your mind it's going to be okay at the end of the day so with the remaining portion of this episode i wanted to celebrate some of the the changes that i really have come to love throughout the course of my watchings of the special edition and again i want to caveat that this is only for things that were changed in the 1997 releases anything 2004 i'm looking at you hayden 2011 i'm looking at you the darth vader no um uh when he uh throws the emperor down uh, the the death star shaft whatever you want to call it um 
and even even the 4K release. I'm looking at you, McClunky. Those are not going to be talked about here. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna discuss the things that, uh, or at least I'm going to share the things that are very pivotal, and important to me, uh, and and why I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to why. So to start, I want to say that the in an episode four, New Hope. The fact that when you see the Battle of Yavin, when it shows the 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 X Wings going out there to to have this last stand against the Death Star, but when all hope seemed lost and they're doing every like it's the last stand of the rebellion at this point. I like the fact that it shows that there are more ships there, and I get the argument that you know it shows that there are a beleaguered amount, uh, amount of rebels going there, but it shows that they went all out to me. That they weren't just like they had a hundred plus X wings and Y wings in their in their arsenal, and they said this is the last stand of the rebellion. We're going to go out in a bang with with glory to our cause, or we're or we're going to defeat the empire under all the great circumstances. I mean, again, they're are it's they're going up against a huge space station ball that's the size of a planet moon space station like it it's huge and i just think that it's just them having all the material and resource like they would right they wouldn't be holding back anything at all this is their last ditch effort or to save the dream as saw guerrero would say in rogue one so i really like that addition I like that it shows the X-Wings kind of in battle formation, ready to go out. I think that's a really, really smart, smart change overall. And then another one, we're going to jump to Return of the Jedi here um, for the next two. <laughs> I, I might get some flack for, for these. No, no disrespect to Lopty Neck. I love Lopty Neck, but I also love Jedi rocks. I know, I know. Shot it from the rooftops. Anthony, what are you talking about here? What are you saying? Jedi rocks is an abomination to Star Wars. No, it is not. No, it is not. It is fun. It is wacky. It is crazy. It is George Lucas and John Williams at their, you know, just having fun. And it's Jabba's Palace. We get more time at Jabba's Palace. You get to see what all happens. Look, I love Lopty Neck too, but I think Jedi Rocks just fits the tone of the scene more. It just, ex- I think it just, it just matches. It matches. It's a glove that fits perfectly to me. Now, you can obviously have your own opinion on this. You can hate it to the, to the, the hills run red, right? I, I just, I don't see the hate. I don't, I don't have an ounce of hate in my body for Jedi Rocks. It is fun. It is fun. It is uh, a show in a in a gangster's uh, palace, right? <laughs> where there's also this subplot happening underneath here, where uh, the Jabba's then slave. I apologize, I forget uh, her her name uh, is thrown into the Sarlacc, uh, not the Sarlacc pit, but into the Rancor pit, right? There's all this going on at the same time. Uh, size noodles looks like she's getting upset that uh, there's uh, this other side plot going on. Uh, Max Rebo, of course, having a good time. Glad we got to see him back in the book of Boa Fett. Come on, now, open your hearts and minds. 
Maybe you'll think differently about Jedi Rocks. Again, nothing, no disrespect to Loptinek. I am a big fan of Loptinek. Listen to it all the time. And if you want to, pull it up on on YouTube. You can find the scene pretty easily. Just search Loptinek, Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, and it'll be there. But I think Jedi Rocks is great. I like it. Love it a lot. The next change that I really appreciate from the 97 uh, release, again, might get a little flack for this, but I think Victory Celebration at the end of Return of the Jedi is is phenomenal. It might be one of the best John Williams pieces ever. And it's just really been a uh, a song that has just shown the sacrifice of what it meant to be a part of the rebellion, the lives lost along the way, the journey that they had. I feel like it just sums up the trilogy well. New Hope, Empire, Return of the Jedi. Victory Celebration is the culmination of all of that. It's that final breath that they take where they say, we defeated the Empire, we defeated evil, good and hope remains. Ah, let's celebrate. Nothing against Yubnub. Nothing against the Ewok celebration. Nothing against that. I love Yubnub too. Sometimes I watch Yubnub just to experience it uh, for again. But victory celebration, like I said, is the icing on top for what it would be the culmination of this of this saga. And even then, when you add episodes one, two, and three later on, I would argue that having victory celebration at the end is much better than Yubnub at the end. Yubnub is very fun. It is very of the time. I think when you take, create a saga and you're closing out the saga at the time, one through six was the end of the Star Wars saga. Victory celebration is the is what is needed for tone tone wise, for the story, for the characters. It just makes absolute sense, and I love that you know even in the '97 release you get the, the the images of Coruscant, I believe, Cloud City. And the first time you get Coruscant in and and a live, live action, right? You see them toppling the 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 Emperor's uh, statue, uh, which of course gets expanded upon later on when uh, there's there's more to be had. So I I think Naboo is added. There might be Tatooine in the '97 release too. But I think I think uh, I think it's just I think it's that's just a better way to end the the saga at that point. My opinion, of course. You might come back at me and say, Yubnub is the absolute way to end Star Wars. Never change it. All right. That's fine. That's fine. There are, there are certainly methods out there by which you can find that makes that so for you. And then finally, we're going to get we're going to get to this, ladies and gentlemen. This is my <laughs> I'm going to open up the can of worms here. I, if you thought I was stirring the pot with Jedi Rocks and Victory Celebration, I think the Greedo scene the, the if you want to call it a change i think there's an argument to be had there i've i've dissected the original scene if you think that greedo shooting first is 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 detrimental to han's character i ask you to, to think again right if I, if you think that changes star wars overall to you i'm going to also offer an alternative perspective here if you were to watch the original scene, the way it plays out in the 90s, in 1977, it just shows Han shooting Greedo, right? It doesn't show the wide shot of of Greedo shooting 
uh, first and then Han. Again, you can point out the the side head thing and whatnot. Again, I I get it. I get it. That it may not look great. You know, the CG has its limitations at the time, of course, and they've updated it sequen- sequentially through later releases to basically take out some frames to make it look less jarring and awkward. I get it. But now that we have Solo a Star Wars story, I think this scene really has a lot more weight and gravitas to it than what we would have known going into 1997. So George was very adamant about the change as to why or the like the addition of the the this the, the knowledge that Greedo also shot. In 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 George's mind, Han was like a John Wayne archetypal character. And he didn't want him to be shooting down this character in cold blood. Again, that's George's perspective, that's his opinion, that's his reasoning for doing it. I entirely respect that. But what did Han learn in Star Wars in Solo, a Star Wars story. We learn that Han is a survivor. Han is going to do absolutely what is necessary in order to survive. And if that means shooting down Greedo because he's making threats there on Jabba's behalf, then so be it. If that means smuggling in order to make ends meet and live at the end of the day and have food in your belly, so be it. If that means making an alliance with a Wookiee while you're in a in a uh, cage situation, basically in a little jail uh, uh, on Mimbam, then so be it. If you if that means getting fake married so that you can escape out of a dicey situation with Sanasaros, then so be it. Right? That is Han in a nutshell. That's why it makes it so impactful when he comes back at the end of the day because he was doing the survivor thing in A New Hope when he gets his money. He bounces and he says, I'm going. I got I got to pay Jabba. I got some other things to do. I'm not getting caught up in this. But then he comes back. And that's very, very important. He comes back. Han is the good guy, as Kira mentioned. He's the good guy. He cannot stand by idly when he does see instances uh, of injustice. And uh, that is Han to a core. I firmly believe that. But what Han learns when he shoots... Uh, Beckett at the end of Solo Star Wars story is the survivalist mentality. He Beckett was willing and ready to gun him down there. And if Han didn't shoot first in that situation, he was going to right like that was going to be the end of him. Now, follow me, if you will, to the Greedo situation in A New Hope. I frankly don't think ever that Greedo was ever going to shoot Han there. In my opinion, he was always going to shoot to the right. He was going to like have a have a a flyby just to scare him, right? It was going to be a shot that went right past his ear, you know, and then walk away from uh, from that uh play from the that infamous uh section of uh Chalman's Cantina. I firmly believe that. I think he was just coming in there to tell his message Say it. Tell him that Jabba's, you know, he's not happy with him. You dropped another cargo load. Get the message across that he's 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 not pleased with him, and then shoot him, or not not shoot him, but shoot, you know, beside him, right? Like it was a fear tactic, in my opinion. And I don't think, again, 
in my opinion, I don't think that Greedo was ever going to gun down Han in that scenario. Han, however, is a survivor at the end of the day. I've already talked through why I think so and what it means to be a survivor to him. And in this case, he had a guy that was blatantly making threats in front of him. Had a gun out on the table, a blaster, I should say, apologies. And then Han is doing the sneaky thing of having a pulling it out holster by his leg. And then he's going to gun him down there. I think it might have been a reaction, frankly, to the Greedo shooting. But that's just Han in a nutshell. He is a survivor. He's going to do what he needs to do in order to get by. He's feeling threatened at this point, and he is surviving. Which is interesting when you think about it, because it's almost darker in a way than what any perspective was before, right? Just something to think about. I really appreciate that scene. I think it adds to Han's... I don't think it changes anything about Han. I think it's even there. It's all there. It's even keel. It's darker than it was before, frankly, to me. So if, you were, if you're if you looking for a character that's still dark survivalist, right? I think it's all there for you. All there. And it doesn't negate anything that happens in Solo, a Star Wars story. And it doesn't negate anything that happens over the course of the 1977 version, the 97 version, the 2004, 11, and subsequent 4K releases in 2020, 21, you know, whatever the Disney Plus 4K releases are. Technically 19 if you want to go that early. I think that is a very impactful and powerful scene. I get what George was doing. I like my own headcanon there too when it adds to it. And this is the important of Star Wars overall, is that your headcanon can be super important, but it's also relevant to look at all perspectives, speculate responsibly, and make informed decisions for yourself. And look at what it means for the character overall, and, uh, and how it influences the Star Wars themes and the soup of it all in the end of the day. So with that, everybody, this is my celebration of the Star Wars Special Edition re-releases in 1997 were you there in the theaters in 97 i would love to hear your perspective i'm going to put out some feelers on on the social media channels be sure to follow us twitter facebook instagram i would love to know what your thoughts are what were your feelings on on and in the theater that day have they changed since i would love to know it and this is i believe the point of this podcast where we can have these safe wonderful conversations that delve deep into the Star Wars galaxy and the lexicon and the fabric of what it means overall. Thank you again, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to this episode of Force Conversation, Force Ghost Conversations. We'll be back next week with a new episode discussing all the fun things that are going around in the Star Wars galaxy. Until then, may the Force be with you. <laughs>